For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at I mean, another guy, Tom Allen. Man, I'd run through a brick wall for Tom Allen. <laughs> you know, to God, have the opportunity I, you know, to play. He seems like one of the most, he seems like just one of the most passionate football people I've ever seen. It's amazing. How much fun is it just to watch him coach on the sideline? Oh, yeah. When he starts crying, I start crying. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. That is Matt McGloin. First of all, a huge thank you to all of you from around the world that listen to the Pater Podcast. Uh, the One of the great things about the Believe Podcast Network is they've given us the ability to see how the show's doing. Uh, the response has been mm -hmm. so cool. Uh, in fact, we have an international audience, Matt, which I know you were definitely expecting. Um, but thank you to all of our listeners, of course, in the United States who are big college football fans and Penn State fans, but especially to our fans in the United Kingdom, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, uh, Mexico and Egypt. So I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, but sincerely, thank you for li listening to Pater. Uh, Matt, I don't know about you. It's been a really cool experience thus far. Yeah, the support's been great, man. I understand we only, uh, we're only one show in, man, but the feedback's been very positive. Uh, it's awesome, you know, when you have, you know, friends and former teammates and, you know, former professors, shout out to Mike Porman, you know, re reaching out to us about, you know, the listening to the show and things like that. So, uh, yeah, man, listen, this, this is fantastic. You know, uh, I love talking Big Ten football. I love talking Penn State football, man. So, uh, you know, this is fun for me. Yeah, man. Um, also, a congratulations to former Penn Staters who took home Olympic medals uh, recently, the Olympics wrapping up in Tokyo. Um, six former Penn State athletes winning medals, four gold, one silver and one bronze medal, um, especially a shout out to USA men's wrestling legend. David Taylor winning gold. So very proud of all Penn Staters in all sports, frankly. That's that's what we're all about here, Pater, his family. We're going to get back to Pater in just a second, but I want to deliver this important message because if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Right now, I want to get into a member of the Penn State football family who we found out, Matt, um, last week. It was, in fact, like a, the day after we'd done our first episode. Um, of course, that's just the universe talking. Um, Adisa Isaac, defensive end, who had a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, um, down and injured. He is out for the season. 
How big of an impact is this on the defensive line? Well, it's tough, man. Like, you know, right now you, you just hope that, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, recovering well and he can get back on his feet and, 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 you know, get in the training room and get healthy as, as fast as he can, man. But, you know, in terms of talking about the defensive line for Penn State, Tom, man, it's obviously you'd lose a decent Isaac to injury. Shaka Tony's gone. Odafe always gone. Shea Simmons transfers to Marshall. You're starting over at the defensive line position right now. You're trying to move Jesse Laqueta to the defensive end position. Who knows if he's going to play both or what he's going to do. But for me, when you're trying to do that, you're trying to put a guy who's played 35 games at the linebacker spot for you now at a DN position. I I don't know how that's going to turn out. What does that say about what you have at the DN position when you're trying to move one of your better linebackers there. And I'm not picking on any of them, believe me, because they're all talented guys, but they're lacking experience. Tom, I look, I get you have Arnold Ebicady uh, transferring in from Temple. I understand how good of a talent he is, how much of an impact he'll have right away for the Penn State Nittany Lions. I don't know. Will the production he had at Temple translate to Penn State and, and Brent Price system? That remains to be seen. Uh, to be seen. You know, James Franklin and, and Brent Pry have talked a lot about Nick Tarberton and, and Smith Vilbert. They both have mentioned how excited they are to see what those guys are capable of doing. They're excited because neither one of them have really played. I think Tarberton's got, you know, uh, two tackles in nine games. I think Smith Smith Vilbert has one tackle, you know, in six career games. I understand Tarberton has has battle injuries, you know, since he stepped foot on campus at Penn State, but. The defensive end position is a huge concern for me at Penn State right now. I mean, I know, and I know I'm rambling here. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. Why I'm concerned is because when you look at 2020, you're not releasing, you're not just replacing players, right, right Tom? Mm-hmm. You, you need to replace their production, right? 21 sacks a year ago, top five in the Big Ten in that category, which in turn helped a struggling secondary that gave up 15 passing touchdowns, which is one of the worst in the Big Ten, right? We, we know Penn State struggled creating interceptions. Um, if that that DN spot and that front those front four can't find a way to create pressure, it, it may be a long year in the back end for Penn State. Yeah, the positive to take away is that the guys that you think will be leading the charge in terms of Mustafer and then your transfers with mm-hmm. Tangelo and Ebicady, those are big dudes who are going to be disruptive um, 
probably operating more in the B gap, not necessarily your conventional nose tackle. Um, shout out to Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated for smartening me up this week. But um, there's a lot of positivity at those positions. And it's not the days of, you know, 20 years ago where you've got to have a speed rush defensive end who's going to rack up 10 sacks. It's you can get that from a number of different positions. And frankly, there's a lot of teams around the Big Ten that want to run in the A and the B gaps, regardless of what uh, alignment they're using. So maybe this is a good thing. And if anything, it's going to give more opportunities to uh, young guys who uh, you mentioned a couple of them that have excitement, have talent, have hype. They just don't have the experience yet. And I think that's the one thing you and I keep coming back to is that there's depth in the, in the talent category, but not necessarily in terms of experience. Mm -hmm. So um, one question I have for you, because you certainly encountered plenty of guys who were transfers during your time playing for the Nittany Lions. How hard is it for guys like Tangelo and Ebicady to come in and maybe become leaders to a team that they joined this late in their collegiate career? Uh, look, I don't think it's a talent thing or an experience thing or anything like that, anything like that, because obviously Epic Katie and, and, and Tangela have played some good football. You know, they've produced in the teams that they've been on. Um, I think it's more of a comfort thing, right? Just just getting comfortable with the guys around you, understanding how they play, fitting into that system, understanding what Brent Pry wants out of you, understanding what your position coach wants out of you uh, on a daily basis, man. I mean it could feel uncomfortable wearing a different helmet too, man. Like, and, and that's the truth. It may, that may sound stupid, but I mean, look, I, I just think about my own experience, man, you know, playing for the Raiders for four years and then putting a Philadelphia Eagle helmet on for the first time. It was different, man. It, it was, it's still football, right? Well, the fans weren't that nice to you. If I remember you telling me correctly. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody, you know, the media was rough on me. The fans were rough on me there in Philadelphia, man. You could have swore I was the worst quarterback in history, but Hey, Listen, I enjoyed my time there, man. Uh, you know, we're getting off topic here, but I enjoyed my time there. In Philadelphia. That's what I appreciate. Yeah. Listen, I, I thought, you know, uh, there was a fantastic group of football players on that team. Loved having the opportunity to play for Doug, Frank Reich, uh, you know, John D. Filippo, man. I learned a ton of football in a short, short period of time there. Missed out in a Super Bowl run, which, which is unfortunate. Uh, but no, nah, man, listen, I learned a ton of football there. So, you know, for the most part, it was, it was a pretty good experience, man. But, uh, Going back to guys like Ebiketti and, and Tangelo, man, it, it could be hard, you know, kind of fitting in and just getting comfortable, you know, in the new environment. Um, but, you know, I kind of feel like James Franklin and company, you know, do a pretty good job of making guys feel welcome, making guys feel at home. And speaking of Derek Tangelo, I actually love the defensive tackle position for Penn State this year, right? Right. That inside of that front four is where I think Penn State is going to have a ton of success, right? I mean, I understand that Antonio Shelton is now gone to Florida, but they're going to need to rely heavily on PJ Mustafer, uh, Hakeem Beeman. Obviously, we mentioned Derek Tangelo and Fred Hansard. All those guys have played a ton of football. They're going to need to create those guys to create chaos internally and collapse the pocket from the inside until those defensive ends get comfortable, until those defensive ends get their feet wet and get some experience, right? There's a ton of talent and a lot of experience inside of Penn State's front four this year. Yeah, we'll see how that works out for uh, the defensive line. I do want to go to the opposite side of the ball uh, on the offensive line, keeping things in the mm -hmm. trenches. Um, unlike the defensive line situation where there's uh, a lot of competition and, and plenty of question marks, uh, you feel pretty confident about some of the, uh, the, the, some of the guys along this offensive line, uh, especially the yeah. upperclassmen. What do you think about the front five for Penn State? 
I think Phil Troutline, first and foremost, offensive line coach for Penn State, has done a great job so far in such a short time there, right? I really think he's done a fantastic job. He's a guy that's a former player, uh, has a lot of experience coaching as well. Uh, I think he's done a really good job with what he has there so far. And I, I don't think there should there should be one problem with this offensive line this year. I think this could be the strength of their offense, right? Look, you, you lose Will Fries and Michael Mennett. But you have Wallace and Rasheed Walker on the outside playing the tackle position. I think Walker's a big-time talent. You've got Mike Miranda, uh, who's played solid football for Penn State. He'll probably play the center position this year. Um, Juice Scruggs uh, has got some experience. He can play inside. And you've got a Harvard transfer uh, and Eric Wilson, who has a chance to play as well. This is a solid group of guys. And for me, Tom... What it comes down to, look, with any offensive line, really, especially when you've got some moving parts, um, it's finding where those guys fit in and, and where they play well in, in, that, in that area. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it just, it, you need to find out who's good at playing center and who's good at guard, right? You need to find out where those guys fit perfectly. But it comes down to communication, right? There can't be a lack of communication. Early on last year, they struggled with sacks. It seems like they... We're struggling in that department, right? Um, there's no room for error this year. You need to figure it out early. You know, uh, you have to be vocal, communicate, um, be on the same page. Um, you know, and knowing the type of coach Phil Troutwine is, knowing the type of coach that uh, that Mike Yurchich is, like I, I, I don't expect them to have any issues early on. Uh, speaking of Mike Yurcich, um, he fielded a barrage of questions this past week um, uh, during a Penn State media day at Beaver Stadium. One of the questions he was asked is how quickly he expects the offense to start clicking to really you know, take that big leap forward. And his answer was, you know, I, I don't know necessarily when that's going to happen. And you and I had talked about this uh, during this past week is that it's the equivalent of a normal person investing in a stock and then the next day being like, oh, am I a millionaire yet? It, it doesn't happen overnight. What do you expect with your and the offense in its entirety? Right. Well, it takes time, obviously. Right. But unfortunately for Penn State, time isn't on their side this year. You know, not with the way the schedule sets up. Uh, but looking at, you know, his track record and his history as a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, he's done some pretty good things where he's been. I mean, he's coached guys like uh, Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State, Sam Ellinger at Texas, Justin Fields at Ohio State. Those guys obviously went on to have some pretty, pretty good careers in college and now have gone on. Uh, to the NFL. So he not only prepares you to play well on Saturdays, man, but he's, he's preparing you for the next level as well. He teaches you as you're for your pro. That's how he coaches you. He demands the best out of you. Um, in terms of the offense as a whole, I mean, I could see why he probably said, I don't know where we're at right now because springtime in the summertime, Tom, that's where you, you, you throw everybody, everything but the kitchen sink at your team, right? Let's see what sticks and then we'll go from there, right? So uh, you'd have to think, that was all evaluating. Okay, what do I have? You know, where's the strength? Where's our weaknesses? Where do we need to improve? Where do we need to grow? Where do we need to get better? Training camp right now, this time, Tom, is where you figure out what you're good at. But again, you're not really going to know <laughs> until you take the field on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, one thing I saw come out of training camp is uh, James Franklin talking about multiple waves of installation periods, meaning it's not just the first team is having some sort of offensive or defensive scheme installed, and then everybody just stands off to the side and sings Kumbaya. Everybody from the first team down to the fourth team, according to James Franklin, is taking part in these installation periods so that there's no, oh, hey, take a mental rep. I mean, 
man, I played yeah. mid-level high school football in Connecticut. And if I had a dime for every time that happened, <laughs> you know, I'd be broke. You know, no one was doing mental reps. You're just standing there on the side. So I, I like yeah. the idea uh, behind that. But uh, l- let's come back to your such uh, and especially Sean Clifford. The mental reps like that, you know, you have to do that. Uh, you know, whatever position you are, offensive line, linebacker, D line, you, you put yourself in the game. Right. Listen to the play call. Take yourself through the process. What would I do here? Right. Stand in the back. Pretend you're in there. You know, pretend you're actually going through those reps because you only get a certain amount of reps when it comes to training camp. Right. You need to make the most of those reps, especially if you want to play. Um, You know, this is a time now to compete. This is a time now to get better. You prepare mentally so that when you have the opportunity to get in there and play, you can play well and you know what you're doing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, mental reps are huge. So, I mean, that's, that's fantastic to hear that a lot of guys are getting those reps or getting mental reps. And I'm glad that they're paying attention to that Mm -hmm. because too many times I've seen guys just standing around in the back, talking, chatting, not paying any attention, right? That doesn't work. That, that sends a bad message. I think so. seems like everybody's really involved and and everybody's really trying to learn at a fast pace here in in this training camp for Penn state. And when you talk about a mental approach, I really like the mental approach that it sounds like we're getting from Sean Clifford because some comments we Mm -hmm. got from the starting quarterback this week, um, he was asked, uh, what he thought about the 2020 season. And I, I loved his answer. He was like, I'm done talking about the 2020 season. Uh, he was very <laughs> respectful to the media, but he was like, I'm done talking about it. It's in the past. It happened. This is a new season. How do you think this is going to work out with him and Mike Yersich? I know we talked about this last episode, but that sounds like exactly the mentality you want your quarterback to have if you're Yersich. Yeah, I mean, I, look, it seems like, you know, in terms of like personalities, it's simply him, him and Yurchitz are pretty much the same guy, right? They're, 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 they're fiery guys, right? They're emotional. They, they care about the game. They, they, they want to do well. They want to win football games. They want to put up big numbers. Um, you know, I think they both kind of understand what they have there. Uh, when you look at it from Yurchitz's point of view, what he has is a hungry quarterback. He's got a guy who wants to learn, who's eager to be coached, who wants to play well, who wants to be a leader, who wants to be a captain, who wants to go out there and dominate week in and week out. And look at what, and, and you look at it from Sean Clifford's point of view, he's got a guy who demands the best out of you on a daily basis. He's got a guy who, you know, is going to do everything he possibly could to prepare you so that you go out every single day and play to the best of your abilities. He's going to get everything out of you, every ounce of talent that you got out of you, and he's going to prepare you and he's not going to let up. Um, you know, and I look back and I compare that to the relationship that I had with Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, did we butt heads a lot? Absolutely. We were both fiery guys who both wanted to do well, but we held each other accountable, right? You know, he coached me up every single day. I took the coaching. I went out there and, and, and did my job day in and day out. And I think the Yurchit Sean Clifford relationship right now is pretty similar. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're both in fantastic positions. Yeah. Follow me a little bit. Cause I, I do see the exact same parallels of what you got to experience with Bill O'Brien. Um, hopefully your has that similar effect on Sean Clifford because it appears that the Yersich effect, uh, some of the quarterbacks you mentioned that he worked with, Mason Rudolph, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Fields, especially Sam Ellinger uh, from Texas. Um, to jump to the pros for a hot second, Sam Ellinger is actually in competition to maybe be the starting quarterback for the, uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he's got to beat out Jacob Eason, and then it's if Carson Wentz is injured. But at the same time, I don't know how many people went into this uh, training camp for the NFL and the Colts thinking, oh, Sam Ellinger might be the guy. 
that's a big part, a uh, big part because of his, the influence of Mike Yurcich. So I see the parallels with Sean Clifford, and hopefully Yurcich has a similar effect on Clifford as O'Brien had on yourself, Yurcich on Ellinger. It's this nice little triangle I've created here, but you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, again, that's and that's what I was talking about earlier with, with Mike Yurcich and the quarterbacks that he's been able to coach in years past is that he's just not preparing them to go out there and play the game at a college football level, at a college football pace. Man, he's coaching you as if you're a pro, right? As if you need to be, you know, this, you know, high level NFL type quarterback week in and week out. And as a quarterback, that's the way that, that you want to be coached. Uh, you want to be, you know, given the responsibility to make protection calls, to really command the offense, command that huddle, um, you know, change plays, alert plays, make audibles if you have to, you know, so it seems like, you know, Yurchich is kind of, you know, pushing Penn State quarterbacks in that direction, Tom. Yeah. So hopefully Sean Clifford's got his head screwed on straight. It really seems like he does. It seems like he's motivated, got the proverbial horse blinders on and coming into the 2021 season, uh, really focused. And fortunately, he's got um, some pretty good options in the wide receiver core. He's got some pretty good options at running back to back him up. So um, it's interesting looking back on your time in school, there were instances where you had some talent other times where uh, it maybe wasn't the greatest receiving core ever assembled at Penn State, but you made it work. Um, how much is that going to fall on Sean Clifford to just make things work when the chips are down for this Nittany Lion offense? You have to, man. You got to figure out a way to make things work, right? You know, you, you have to trust what you have. Trust that the work you put in is worth it. You trust that the work that everybody around you has put in is worth it and that it's enough. You know, it's the ultimate team sport, right? You need to be able to count on the guys that you you take the field with week in and week out. And, you know, especially at the wide receiver spot. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, anybody has earned more credibility on Penn State's team than Jihad Dotson after what he was able to do last year, Tom. And for me, when you look at him, you know, I, I, I'm trying to keep it in the Penn State family here. You know, he's like a, uh, <laughs> he's like a, he's a cross between a Deion Butler and a Derek Williams. You know, if you, if you look back at Penn State wide receivers over the past 15 to 20 years, right? Shout out Jordan Norwood. God, I love D wheels and Deion Butler. Those are good times. You look at you look at what what Dots, Jahad Dotson does, right? He's got the big playability, the ability to to create explosive plays in the pass game, like Dion Butler did, and he also gives you that option uh, of changing the game in a second on special teams, the way Derek Williams was able to do, right? Similar height, similar build as those guys. If if Jahad Dotson has another year like he did last year, I think you could put him in the category with those two wide receivers. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. So, but again, you know, camp is still ongoing. There's a lot of time until we get to Madison, Wisconsin for week one. So plenty can happen and, and you just hope that it all kind of comes together uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and since we are still in the middle of camp, I have a question for you. And I know we touched on it a little bit last week. You, uh, you know, you, you started as a walk-on. Uh, you rose all the way to the ranks of uh, statistically one of the greatest quarterbacks in Penn State history. So you had to work your butt off through a lot of camps. Was there one teammate that you go back there or a couple of teammates, whoever, that got you through camp, got you through the doldrums of summer? Man, it's tough, dude. When you look back, I went through five training camps, <laughs> you know, at Penn State, man. And 
Each one was more difficult than the other one, man. You know, again, I remember in walking in my first year at Penn State and like, uh, you know, it's a big deal, man. Training camp, you're a freshman. You're trying to make a statement. You're trying to make an impact. You're trying to show everybody that, you know, you're a good quarterback and you're capable of playing at a high level. I remember like, you know, Big Ten Network was there, you know, covering training camp. And I'm just out there throwing footballs as hard as I could in drills, (laughs) you know, trying to show (laughs) off, trying to prove that I have a strong arm, you know, and things like that. So, so I mean, those are funny memories when I look back, man. But, you know, I also look back, man, and think of the times where it's like, you know, you're in the middle of training camp, you're, you're two weeks in, man. And it, you're thinking to yourself, like, this is, this is tough, man. You know, it, it's hot out here. Uh, you got practice in the morning, you have lifting, you have meetings, you have walkthrough in the afternoon. And, and it's just like, you know, I, I need something. I need some type of motivation. I need something to get me going, man. And, you know, uh, you take a look around, man, and you go back to the days, you know, the dog days in summer where you're up early, you're conditioning, you're running hills, you're lifting, you know, and you look at, you look around at your teammates and you're like, I, I, I can't let these guys down. You don't even necessarily care about yourself at that point, Tom. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't let this guy down. I can't let him down. And even like, you know, I, I, I can't let Charlie Fisher down, who's my quarterback coach. I can't let Bill O'Brien down, you know, and someone who who definitely doesn't get enough credit for you know, bringing us so far in 2012 was our strength and conditioning coach, Craig Fitzgerald and his staff, man. So, you know, uh, when you're tired, uh, you know, and, and you, you know, you're feeling fatigued and you look over at the strength and conditioning guys, you know, you don't want to let those guys down either, man. Those guys have crazy gas tanks. They never stop. It's almost it's amazing. It, it's almost really annoying. <laughs> yeah. And like you're trying to prove how tough you are to them right. as well and how, how strong you are, you know. So, I mean, man, and th- but that's when you know, like, you got it good, man. That's when you know that, you know, your, your football, you know, coaching staff and your teammates, that, that's when you know you, you have like a good family, man. You know what I mean? A good group of guys and a good coaching staff around you when everybody holds one another accountable. And, and you know, it may be cheesy to say, Tom, but, you know, right now in training camp is truly when you do come together as a team. Oh, I can just imagine, man. Um, let's talk about uh, James Franklin, who is always going to have the, the focus on him. Uh, we touched on uh, what the two of us have in terms of expectations for the program and this is now going into year seven for James Franklin. I know the expectations for him for all Penn State fans are extraordinarily high. The recruiting has been really, really good on paper and you know plenty to be excited about, but just everything in moderation, everything in time. Um, his recent press conference uh, discussions were comparing the past to the present in regards to offensive coordinator. And I think this is something that Penn State fans um, should feel really optimistic about, uh, cautiously, albeit, is comparing the offense uh, in regards to feel to what Joe Moorhead was able to put on the field. Very, very similar to what he's seeing from Mike Yursich right now. How do you react hearing that? Right. I think it's I think it's year eight, right, Tom? Uh, oh, excuse but, me. Um, yeah, but I, I, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, because I read the comments as well, uh, you know, what he had to say about the offense. And, and look, I think Joe Moorhead's a fantastic coach. I think he did a tremendous job at Penn State. But again, they struggled early on, you know, in the Joe Moorhead days as well. And, you know, this year, and we're talking about a lot, it seems like everybody's talking about it. You, you don't have the luxury of waiting to grow and develop as a team or as an, as an offense. Your schedule is too, too difficult early on. 
right? Um, you know, there needs to be a sense of urgency in training camp right now. You need to find out what you're good at. If that means eliminating plays out of your playbook, Tom, if that means just cutting things down and simplifying everything, then I think that's what you're going to have to do, right? Same concepts, same pass plays, just dress it up a little bit, different formation shifts, motions, um, just try to create different looks to, to confuse defenses, man. But, uh, you know, depending on what they find out over the next few weeks about their team, I mean, I could see them keeping it fairly simple early on. Yeah, it's it's just tough. And I, again, we discussed it in, in the first episode. But again, it, September is uh, pretty brutal to get started. Obviously, you're mm-hmm. at Camp Randall against Wisconsin. You host Ball State. You host Auburn with a whiteout, primetime, all those things. Villanova to round out the month. And then you dive into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. Um, that Indiana game, I know a lot of Penn State fans are going to be focused on because it's just brings up so many horrible memories from last year because if there was one game that embodied what went wrong in 2020 it was what happened at iu and how the hoosiers pulled that out uh, in overtime what do you think when this team processes the schedule maybe after september yeah well look you know my opinion on the the indiana game from last year right you, you didn't the, the two-point conversion is not the reason you lost the game. Correct. Right? It, it was the four quarters prior to that, you know, and decisions you made in, 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 in certain situations, um, lack of communication. That's why you lost the game. Not because Michael Penix Jr. made a fantastic play. Whether he was in and out, it didn't matter. He was getting that call. You know, but we're not going to talk about that. We're, we're going to yeah. move on from that, you know? Uh, <laughs> but look, like, I mean, I, look, you, I think you have to break the year down, Tom, right? Those first four weeks of the season. You know, because after that Villanova game, you have Indiana and then you have an Iowa, correct? Mm-hmm. And th- those are, that's no joke. I think Iowa's going to win the West, right? Th- that's a team that was on a roll last year, a roll last year, six in a row after losing those first two games by a combined five points. We could have very easily been talking about Iowa, Ohio State, Big Ten Championship game. You know, one of the things about Iowa is that they're similar to Ohio State in a way that they're so good at replacing their talent, but not just replacing talent, Tom, replacing it, but they're prepared to play. They've somehow managed to you know, prepare those kids well enough that it seems like they've already have experience, right? They understand the system so well, the scheme, the technique, especially defensively, you put them out there and, and they just know what to do. It clicks, man. And I think offensively, a guy like Spencer Peters, Iowa's quarterback, uh, I think he really found out who he was those last six games of the season played completion driven football relied on the uh, on the running game uh and sergeant Tyler Goodson Goodson's back this year so I, I fully expect them to rely on him once again um you know they've got a fantastic tight end and Sam Laporte I think they're going to need to find a number one wide receiver at Iowa but I, Iowa's a dangerous football team you know but talking about Indiana that's one of those games where you look at your schedule and you go through it and it's Win, win, win. Okay, this is going to be a tough football game. You know, this is going to be a challenge. But then there's those games you put three big red circles around them. And for Penn State, it's Indiana this year. Yeah, cautiously optimistic, I feel like, is the theme you're going to hear from me uh, the entire season. You know, it's such a fascinating time in college football altogether because there's so much in in terms of talking about conference realignment, uh, name, image, and likeness. You know, there's big topics. And it seems that the conferences that have been really affected by that. Yeah, go for it. I want to ask you a question, Tom, about that, because you mentioned name, image, and likeness. And, you know, for somebody who's obviously been a Penn State fan and has seen games from Penn State stands to be in that student section, does that Mm -hmm. change, like, 
your perspective on the game? Does it change the way you feel about players knowing that they're getting paid? Some of them now are getting paid to play. I'm glad they are. I'm glad they are because a lot of these guys are going out there and some of them may never see the light of day in an NFL uh, setting and may not have the fortune like yourself Mm -hmm. and plenty of other Penn Staters who've gone on to Hall of Fame football careers and have made tons of money and taken care of their families. Um, I'm very, very okay with it. I've been pushing for it for a long time. You know, I'm talking to friends and family about it. The thing that you always want, especially if you're a Penn State fan, is loyalty. Guys that are willing to stick around. So not to point people out, but I remember the, you know, obviously when you were in school, 2011 to 2012, predominantly, um, Silas Red was a guy who was a big time recruit. We all thought was going to be a big time running back for us. Obviously, plenty of controversy in the 2011 year altogether. He transfers to USC. So I know that affected a lot of people in terms of they saw that as being disloyal. Now, Silas Red made the best decision for him and his family. That's his choice. But that is the reaction of the Penn State fan base. So personally, I want to see, guys, you can make your money in college. Let's say you're the next Johnny Manziel and you don't do anything in the pros. Why not make your money when your name is most important, when it has the most value? I I remember seeing a promotion recently by um, Penn State Social Media with Jahan Dotson, and he's posing with a Nike sneaker. My first thought was, man, I I hope Jahan's getting paid for this, because I think this was before the NIL stuff actually got approved. So uh, personally, I really hope to see this continue. It's just the question mark of, is this going to get out of hand? Uh, you know, Bryce Young from Alabama has not started a game yeah. yet. And apparently Nick Saban said he's got seven figures already, you know, signed on the dotted line. <laughs> the truth of the matter is right now in college football, if there were a Trevor Lawrence, if there were a Tim Tebow, a Johnny Manziel, that guy could be making seven, eight figures. Maybe now nah, that's ridiculous, actually. No, well, I don't know if it is. You know what I mean? Like it's we don't have that right now because Trevor just went to the NFL unless Spencer Rattler makes a huge jump or somebody we're not seeing right now. You know, that guy could come around. But frankly, why not make your money, man? That's the way I look at it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm for it. Look, I, I understand there's you know, definitely money to be made for these players, man. I, I just I, I miss the college football where you know, it, it was you play for the love of the game, mm-hmm. right? You, you know, you play because the team matters to you. The school matters to you. You know, you're passionate about the game. And, and again, you play because you love it. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, these players, just because they're making money now, they don't feel that way. Um, I, I just don't, I hope it doesn't take away from that environment, that atmosphere. I hope it doesn't take away from how, from how pure the game of college football is. You know, it, it, it's it's such a, you know, team college football is such a team sport and like a I, I, I would just hate it uh, for it to become you know this money making thing where you know guys are so concerned about how much money they're making here and there that you know they forget what college football is really all about that's all and and i i i, I don't mm-hmm. want to see fans think that fans and media whoever it may be i, I don't want to see them think that they can treat these college players and these these student athletes any differently just because they're making money right now. I don't want to see them try to treat them like NFL players because they're not. They're 18 to 22 year old kids, man. Right. You know, so I hope the college and universities can help on any way they can. I hope that they have somebody designated to help these players who are bringing in maybe, you know, six figures or so, you know, because look, it's a lot of, like you said, it's a lot of money. 
you know, for, for, for young guys, for young players, some NFL guys can't handle that type of money, man. So, you know, uh, look, as long as they're taken care of in that sense, man, you know, I think then it's okay. But I don't know, man, we'll see. I just, yeah. where does it end and, too, Tom, right? Where does it end? Well, I, well, to play devil's advocate, let's not kid ourselves. This is a business. Look at exactly what just happened with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC and the way they danced around certain contract points so they wouldn't have to pay an $80 million fine. And then they get the invitation from the SEC. This is a business. That is why Penn State played a game in an empty stadium for most of last year. I mean, it's, it's a business. So why shouldn't the guys on the field be getting a cut of that? That's my take. Well, anyway. that's why they're playing. They're going to be playing in front of one hundred and ten thousand this <laughs> yes, year because yes. they're not missing out on. They're not missing out on that money two years in a row, man. But. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I, I am, which again, I'm, everybody again. Yeah, I'm hoping for. Uh, I'm hoping we're able to have a full season. Uh, we we had discussed a little bit, but Wisconsin had I think five games last year because of COVID problems. Um, at this point in August, um, COVID yeah. is continuing to be an issue. So you're hopeful that everybody. Um, playing, competing, uh, participating for the staffs, and then especially people that are attending, that people are safe. So that that's my hope for this upcoming season, but we'll see what happens. Um, so one thing I wanted to get to, and I was mentioning NIL, is uh, the conference realignment stuff. And then uh, there's been so much light shed on these conferences like the SEC, like the Big 12. And the conversation has been about the brands. You know, it's this school, it's this school, et cetera. But the one thing you and I talked about is that the Big Ten has stood relatively firm. You haven't heard a lot of rumblings of anything, rumors here and mm -hmm. there, but everybody seems to be good. And then when you break down the guys at the helm for every one of these schools in the Big Ten, this might be one of the deepest coaching conferences uh, in the country right now, if not the deepest in terms of coaching. What do you think? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's no shortage of talent, you know, in terms of coaches and head coaches um, in, in the Big Ten. Um, you know, let, let me let me just mention real quick about conference realignment, Tom. I and mean, you mentioned the Big Ten's being awfully quiet. I mean, are they quiet because they're not going to do anything? Or are they being quiet because they're preparing to do something? You know, mm -hmm. we'll see. But for me, if they are preparing to do something, I hope it's the right team and it's the right fit. Um, nothing against these programs, but I hope they don't decide to bring in a West Virginia. I hope they don't decide to bring in a Kansas because I don't think they can make an immediate impact in the Big Ten. I don't think they make the Big Ten stronger. If you want to bring in a UCF with new head coach Gus Melzahn, they can make an immediate impact, right? That gives you know UCF more national recognition than it's already gotten. I think they can compete right away in the Big Ten. I really I really do. If you want to bring in an Iowa State who has one of the best coaches in the Big 12 and Matt Campbell, you could bring Iowa State in because they can compete right away. And guess what, Tom? They already have a built-in rivalry with Iowa. So I think they'd be a fantastic addition. And if you want to go into the Texas market and try to get a TCU or a Texas Tech, I think that'd be a huge, huge move for, 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 for the Big Ten. And speaking on you know, successful head coaches, you're right. I mean, the Big Ten has that they've, they've got some fantastic coaches. There's some guys that have been there for a very long time. And the Pat Fitzgerald's who I have the utmost respect for, you know, the job he's done at Northwestern has been nothing short of spectacular. Um, you know, and I know, you know, having to have played against uh, Northwestern teams coached by him, I know how difficult it was <laughs> to prepare for those games, man. You, you need to be so focused and so dialed in. You can't make one mistake or they will capitalize on it. They'll take advantage of that, man. And 
um, you know, another guy in Kirk Ferentz, you know, I'm glad you brought brought this up, dude, because you know I'm sitting where I'm sitting here recording this, kind of like in the in, in the bar area in my my house. I have a framed uh, a framed letter from Kirk Ferentz that wow. he actually wrote me. He actually wrote me after we beat them in 2012, and it, it's a small it's a small letter, dude. It's probably it says 25 words, but it, it you know it, to sum it up, it, it basically says you know you did a fantastic job, you know, great job being a leader you know, I have respect for you, you know, best of luck, Kirk Ferentz. And like, I think about that, like every time I talk about Iowa, I talk about Kirk Ferentz, man, because it's amazing how much of an impact something small like that, like a small gesture like that, how much that, that, that can make, you know, an impact that can make on a person, man. And, you know, I just always thought he was a fantastic coach, man. I can't, I can't thank him enough for taking the time to do that. It meant a lot, but again, the job he's done at Iowa, has been fantastic as well. Those guys are so tough to beat year in and year out, dude. And I mean, another guy, Tom Allen, man, I'd run through a brick wall for Tom Allen. <laughs> God, I, you know, he seems like just one of the most passionate football people I've ever seen. It's amazing. How much fun is it just to watch him coach on the sideline? Oh yeah. When he starts crying, I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, man. He's able to to pull out all that energy and all that emotion out of his players, man, that's hard to do. And not just like he's building a culture at Indiana and, you know, they're not looked at like Indiana anymore in the big 10. They're not looked at like Indiana anymore across the country, right? They, 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 there's, there's nothing more powerful than making your team believe that they're capable of doing anything, making your team believe that they can beat the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Penn States, right? That's a powerful thing, man. Like, they, they look, their goal is to win the Big Ten this year, right? They're using that whole chase model that, that Tom Allen has created, man. And I love it. I think it's fantastic. So I, look, I'm excited to watch Indiana this year. I really am. Yeah, I think the competition altogether is outstanding. You mentioned uh, Tom Allen, uh, Kirk Ferentz, um, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, can't forget about what Jim Harbaugh is capable of with Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, Brett Bielema is back in the Big Ten uh, with Illinois. You don't expect anything shocking out of the fighting Illini, but Brett Bielema is a good coach, and his track record has proven that. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, his former employer, the Wisconsin Badgers, Paul Christ, disciplined, smart coach. You know what you're getting week one. P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. I'm really curious to see what he does because um, two years ago, completely derailed uh, Penn State season at Minnesota. That was a fantastic team. Kind of took a step back last year. Uh, do they continue to row the boat in the right direction? Yes, I went there. Um, Greg Schiano with Rutgers seems like just the perfect <laughs> fit. His old home is now his current home uh, and has been now for a year. Um, Mel Tucker at Michigan State seems like he's settling in. They gave Penn State a heck of a challenge last year. Um, I believe in Scott Frost in Nebraska. It's just going to take time. I think they had so much hype yeah. last year and the year before because of Frost. It's just going to take a minute. And they're one of those brands that when they rise from the ashes, Nebraska has the ability to be a national power. Um, and then uh, Jeff Brom in Purdue. Yeah. You can never forget about the Boilermakers. Brom has got a really nice team there. And then Mike Loxley, um, who came from Alabama, and then went mm -hmm. to Maryland. So many of the stories about him and the effect he's had on his players, it looks like he's the right guy for the job and he's got Maryland moving in the right direction. Um, so much so that he really stunned Penn State fans when we lost to Maryland last year because nobody was expecting it, but he had his team ready to play. So I don't believe, Matt, there's one game on the Big Ten schedule for Penn State that's a gimme. You feel optimistic, but 
just about every game, you're like, you're going to be in a battle. Yeah, especially this year, right? Look what happened last year. And you mentioned guys like, you know, the Greg Shianos and the Mel Tuckers, guys that are really in their first full year uh, at, at their job. And, you know, real quick on Michigan State, Michigan State and, and Mel Tucker, right? so many transfer outs, so many transfer ins. He's trying to win now and he's building the team any way that he can, whether it's through the transfer portal or whether it's through the recruiting process. He wants to win now. And, um, you know, similar to Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano returns a lot of guys offensively and defensively as well. They can be scary football teams. You know, the Michigan States and the Rutgers, especially as you get deep into Big Ten play, you know, they're falling in the, the, a similar boat as like an Indiana, right? Those guys are changing the culture at those programs and those universities. And Mike Loxley's done a fantastic job in the recruiting process. You know, what's tough though Tom, for, for these schools that have talent, have great head coaches, is that the Big Ten isn't very forgiving. And what I mean by that is that there's, uh, there's a lot of separation with these schools from the top to bottom that the ability to be patient and take your time and try to build a program is sometimes very difficult to do because the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, Penn State's, Ohio State's, Michigan's, they, they tend to reload every single year. You know what I mean? So it's hard to build. It's hard to keep guys in your program. If you can get a guy and keep him there for four or five years, man, that's a win. Um, but it's hard to do that these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot about Ryan Day of Ohio State, who uh, all credit to the Buckeyes probably will walk away with the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, all respect to that team from Columbus. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining me this week. Uh, and thank you to all of you watching and listening. Uh, we invite you to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, the links to the show are in my Instagram and my Twitter, as well as Matt's. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Pay Dirt. Oh, Pay Dirt! Pay Dirt! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 